welcome back to Grit Iron Gamble, the only podcast that puts its money where its mouth is. I'm your host, Rich Ryan, and I'm joined by one member of the collective, Donnie D.P. Peters. Mo is still prancing about amongst the castles of Prague, although I believe he might be traveling home today. Don't quote me on that, though. D.P., a one, two, and two weekend for the collective in the Las Vegas Super Contest, leaving us 30, 39, and five. Officially, well, I guess we're not drawing dead to breaking 50% if we put together two 5 and 0 weeks. Uh, but pretty much drawing dead in the final contest, which stinks. And. I don't know. We'll get into the recap, but that Raiders game was super annoying. Obviously, I didn't want us to be on the Patriots. That game was super annoying. I was pretty annoyed on Sunday, but I was happy to see last night that the Bucks nearly won outright as home underdogs performed well. Slam dunk cover. But how are you, sir? How uh, Did you survive any of your fantasy semi-matches? Oh my gosh, no. I only had one and it fizzled out really, really quickly. Oh, it no. was girly. Well, see, the thing was is that I had and, and I know there were some people that were chirping at me saying that I shouldn't have done this, but it was one of the reasons why I was second in points, second place in the league going into the playoffs. So I was gonna ride with it no matter what happened. And that's uh play of Philip Rivers, Keenan Allen, and Hunter Henry. A lot of people in season long don't like to go triple stack. Um, but those three in the last couple of weeks, I mean, it was like printing money. Uh and just the fact that those three played on Saturday, um, just knowing that collectively they put up 19 points for me in this league, and then knowing going into Sunday that he still had his full roster left, I had a whole team. Or sorry, I had seven of my ten guys or whatever it is, and you know, three of them put up 19 points. I'm like, this just there's no way this comes out right. There's I have to make up so many points now. I should have, you know, what 45 minimum from these three guys, and I have 19. That's just it's very hard to make up points like that. And I ended up getting absolutely blown out of the water. And yes, I was going against Todd Gurley, so it didn't really help at all. I don't hate it, especially with Kansas City being so bad on team. Well, yeah, that's what I mean. How like they're just they're horrible at the past events, and I get it. Like Arrowhead is a tough place to play, but the Chargers have been rolling. You know, if anyone I think can go into Kansas City and do all right, it's Philip Rivers. He is an experienced quarterback. He has been playing really well, and Keenan Allen is just. I mean, that guy's walking nine catches, hundred yards the past four or five weeks, right? Every single. It doesn't matter who you put on him. One, two, three, four people. It doesn't matter. He'll get he'll get his yards, he'll get his targets, he'll get his catches, and it just turned out that it, it wasn't like that at all. And then they took both of them out at the end of the game. I mean, Hunter Henry what lacerated a kidney, which sounds like the most gruesome injury in the history of mankind. And Keenan Allen was, you know, they were just getting blown out. They just took him out of the game at the end. I was pretty fortunate in I was in two semis. One I was drawing pretty dead as well after that Saturday night game. I had a, a defender, Denzel Perryman. It's an IDP league who played 20 snaps and then got hurt. So a big donut. Whenever you have a donut, you're in trouble. And then my opponent had Melly Mel, Melvin Gordon, who went off for 28 points, I believe, in that league. So I was, I was drawing pretty slim after that. Also had a six-pointer from Golden Tate that evening. So wasn't drawing very live. But in my largest buy-in league, the league where I was beaking on this very podcast saying that I was going to win... 
I did so even without the services of Antonio Brown, who destroyed his calf in that Patriots game. Uh, I luckily have a stacked roster, and Mark Ingram led me to the finish line. I was so blessed in that league that I had had a big quarterback conundrum. I actually had three of them on my roster, and all of them balled out, so I couldn't have made the wrong decision. I would have won had I played any of them. So I ended up playing Foles, who did score the most, but I had Winston and Flacco. All all three of them scored 20 points, and they were separated by four points. So I, I could not have made the wrong decision which I I think one of the things that people point to and they say that fantasy is all luck and there's certainly an a aspect of luck it's there's variance involved with a lot of this but it's about process over results and I I feel good obviously in my process that I had all three of those guys that that no matter the decision I made I, I was in good hands but if you if you're out there and you played the wrong guy this week as long as you believed in your process don't don't feel too bad Shit happens. Same thing with these picks that uh, we're going to recap now. I feel like our, I don't know, I feel like in terms of process, I don't feel like we're having a, a bad year. It just seems like we're <laughs> we're on the wrong side of, of everything somebody. sucks, man. Yeah, it's, it's just fucking brutal. It's it's I, I can't I can't get over it. I can't even watch football on Sundays anymore. And let let's start with this freaking Bears Lions game on Saturday night. This was the collective pick. Nobody was too high in this game, but it averaged itself onto the card. And even though Stafford comes out and throws, I don't know, 33 attempts for 237 yards, it's like, it's not a it's not an amazing effort for the guy. Uh 7 yards per attempt. The Bears just can't get anything going on offense. Trubisky throws three interceptions. It, it looks like, I mean, we're drawing live on the last drive, and Trubisky is marching, and then he just throws a pretty bad pick to Darius Slay. I, I don't know if the tight end stopped his route or if it was a bad throw, but it was just who, whoever made the mistake, just poor execution by Chicago. But it's not like, again, it's not like Detroit stomped the lights out. Of Chicago, we were we were always drawing live for the backdoor cover, but they just couldn't put it together. Uh, I didn't get to watch much of this game because I was actually flying from Chicago back to LA. DP, what did you take away from this contest? We were we weren't drawing that dead, right? I'm not crazy. No, we weren't drawing that dead. I felt I felt better as the game went on. Uh, going into the game, felt really good about it. You know, first half of the first quarter. Felt good about it. Then things started to look like they were going to unravel a little bit. Trubisky didn't look like he was playing too well. Um, but the Lions were just the Lions, you know, in a spot where if the Lions are who everyone thinks that they should be coming into this season and coming into a lot of recent seasons, you know, just touted really high. Everyone thinks that, you know, they got a ton of talent there. This is the time that they turn the corner, all that sort of stuff. Then they should just step on the throats of the Bears and just run away with the game. But they don't because of the, the Detroit, Detroit Lions, and that's what they do. They just let good or sorry, bad teams hang in there. And, and, you know, Detroit is a bad team. They have a decent defense. They have a quarterback that's learning on the go, and they have absolutely no pass catchers whatsoever. Um, so, yeah, they should have ran away with the game, but they didn't. Um, the, the Bears hung in there. And Trubisky is like – Trubisky is – he just has – his his. 20 passes that are slightly above average. And then he has that absolute backbreaker. 
it's like every time it's like he'll string together a drive of like seven or eight good passes. He looks all right. He's moving around in the pocket. He's getting outside. He's doing things with his legs. He's making big throws with his arm. But then the one bad throw that he makes on that drive is just absolutely god awful. What the hell are you doing? Why are you in the NFL? How are you starting? All this sort of stuff. But that's part of the learning curve with sticking in a rookie quarterback that was just drafted that played something like 12 games in college. I mean, it's just he'll get there. I, I think Trubisky looks all right, and he looks like he'll get there as long as they get somebody that's in place in terms of coaching because I don't think John Fox is the answer in any sort of uh, long-term coaching situation for the Bears. But, yeah, even on that last drive, Trubisky looks great, 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 great. Boom, horrible friggin' throw, horrible pick, ends the game. And that's just the way it went. One thing gleaning the box score that I'm surprised by and happy about is Kendall Wright back from the dead. Two straight weeks with double-digit targets. He had 13 in this game, hauled in seven of them for 81 yards. Last week had 11 targets, caught 10 of them for 107 yards. I, I know if you're in the fantasy championship, that you're not going to be running to the wire to pick up Kendall Wright. But for DFS purposes, especially on a PPR site like DraftKings, I'm going to be interested in Kendall Wright for the last two weeks of the season. And anybody who's listened to us over the last few years knows that I, I love this kid. Uh, I think he's very talented. And I hope he's only 28. So I feel like if he develops a rapport with Trubisky, he might stick around and be a uh, an interesting asset in Chicago. He's he's like my uh, my young man's Jeremy Curley. You know, the little guy that just runs really good routes and gets open and makes plays. So now that Jeremy Curley has been cut by the Jets and may never see a professional football field again, I, I think I can I think I can say that I'm going to give the GOAT title to Kendall Wright. So hold on, hold on. You can't just do you can't just up and give the GOAT title. I mean that's a prestigious title, man. I know, but... You can't just take it away from Curly. He's amazing. I mean, the second Jeremy Curly steps on a professional football field, he's goat again, for sure. But since it looks like he might be drawing slim to do that... I, I've always wanted Jeremy Curly to go to New England. How I, good I would he like be he for the be like, I mean, you, they don't have Edelman this year. He's like the guy who would just... He would do stupid shit and run over the middle and get absolutely hammered because that's what Jeremy Curly does. He doesn't care. He's just a gamer, and he runs really good, quick routes like Edelman did. Uh, I think that he would be that type of guy where they don't have that type of guy. I think that that really kills New England this year. But, yeah, I think that he would fit in great uh, in that system with Tom Brady. And I, and I think that it it benefits Curly where, you know, he has gone into a lot of different systems and he's just kind of fit in. He's picked it up and he's ran with it right away. Love Curly. I'm so happy this devolved into a Jeremy Curly podcast. Let's move to Sunday and let's move to the game that you put on the card, DP. You went against Rule of Mo. You picked the Browns plus seven at home against the division rival Baltimore Ravens who came in and pretty much plastered the Browns. The game was competitive in the first half. It was 17 to 10 going to the locker room, so we were at least pushing. But then the Ravens score 10 in the third quarter. Nobody scores in the fourth, and the game ends 27 to 10. Kaiser, some super head scratchers. 37 attempts, 146 yards. Really bad day for the Rook. DP, not a good pick, sir. Yeah, I'm going to get to this guy, Kaiser, in a second. Um, but first of all, I need to, I need like a, a list, just like you guys need a list of all of the different 
brain makeups that I have, you know, you got the M&Ms, the peanuts, all that sort of stuff uh, for these coaches. I need a list of the rules of Mo because I feel like there's all these different rules and I have no idea <laughs> which one I'm picking against with whatever. And then he has so many rules that Mo can just say like, well, you went against this rule when <laughs> I went, might've went against one rule, but maybe I went with three other rules. So I understand this was against the rule of Mo of picking the Browns less than 14 point uh, underdogs. But I mean, this, this felt like it should have been a cover. I mean, I just don't, I don't understand. And why did they stop running the ball? Because they're the fucking Browns. But like every listen, time Duke Johnson touched the ball, it was magic. And Isaiah Duke, looked good as well. Duke Johnson is, is averaging the third most uh, yards per touch in the league this year. Um, behind, I believe it's Le'Veon Bell. And the guy, that, the guy in second is Chris Thompson, who's no longer playing in the league this season. So, for all intents and purposes, Duke Johnson is second behind Le'Veon Bell per yards per touch. So get that guy the ball. I mean, he's shown that he can do a ton of really, really good stuff. I mean, he can catch the ball out of the backfield. He can run with it. He can run routes like a receiver. He can run it, you know, from the backfield if he needs to. All that sort of stuff. I think you just need to get Duke Johnson the ball. I don't. I also don't understand. I was thinking about it a little bit more in this game is why they don't run two two halfback sets, uh, you know, with, with Isaiah Crawl and Duke Johnson, you know, just, just flank, flank Kaiser. But listen, I, I saw some, some talking on, on social media, some people saying that this wasn't Kaiser's fault in Cleveland. I, this is all fucking Kaiser's fault as far as I'm concerned. I mean, Rich, you said that he's thrown tons of head scratches. I mean, I have no, I, that guy should not be in a league. He shouldn't even be on an NFL practice squad. He's so bad. He's so bad. It's, it's a fucking travesty that that guy is the quarterback. There's, I mean, just look at the Browns roster. I understand that they're the Browns, but they do have a lot of talent. That defense has talent. The offense has talent. The offense just got Josh Gordon back. We just talked about Duke Johnson. Corey Coleman looks like he's really good. David Njoku looks like he's talented as well. Yes, they lost Joe Thomas, but their offensive line isn't like, you know, absolutely horrible. We get Joe Thomas back. You're all right. I mean, but Kaiser is fucking abysmal, man. What I don't understand what that guy's doing. I feel like it's him just holding everyone back. And I don't know if something, you know, there's obviously a percentage of it that has to do with coaching where they're not coaching up the quarterback in the correct way. And I put zero stock in Hugh Jackson, but good God, man, there is talent on that roster. Why the fuck are they this bad? And why the hell is Kaiser so bad that he can't cover seven points against an inept Baltimore Ravens offense who can't do a goddamn thing. They lose their best player on defense. They're getting shredded the past couple weeks because of that. And the Browns are just absolutely horrible, man. And they refuse to cover tight ends. We talked about on the DFS pod how much we loved Ben Watson. Four for 74 and a touch. Had the long touch in the first half. You talk about the targets for Cleveland. And if you count Duke as a receiver... Sammy Coates is their wide receiver five, right? If if you if you instead of using wide receiver, if you just use like target, like he's their fifth best route runner. Where, where would Sammy Coates be on like the Bears, the Titans, the Jags, contending for number one? The Niners, right? It, Wasn't he contending for number one in Pittsburgh, or like, like not, he was, not that he, he was, was contending, the, but like he was a big part of that offense, and right. everyone was like, "This is a this is this guy's great." He was the up and comer. Like in during the Martavis suspension, it was like, "Okay, Sammy Coates is going to be the number two receiver in this offense." So it's not like they don't have talent. To your point, they just can't get them the ball. And and there's this talk with Marvin Lewis potentially stepping down as the head coach of the Bengals that the Bengals could trade for Hugh Jackson, 
which if if that's the case, then my hat's off to the Browns. They're <laughs> if they can pull off a trade of Hugh Jackson after he's won one game, man, that that would be well, you're the Bengals epic. and you make that trade. Just fucking blow, go <laughs> play in Canada. Jesus Impl- Christ, take implode drive the fifty miles north, go across the river or the lake, whatever the fuck you need to do, but get out of the NFL because you are that fucking bad. Change sports, do something. <laughs> Man, the Browns. Why would you ever trade for a guy that has one victory? It's 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 the it's it's the Bengals, man. He was he was the offensive court. They're very much, from what I've read, the Bengals are very much an organization that promotes from within. And I understand that he was not quote unquote within, but he was. He was a guy in the Bengals organization that got an opportunity, so he jumped ship. So. If they don't trade for Hugh, it sounds like the guy that they give the head coaching job to will be someone in the organization. And when the org has been that much of a disaster. Yeah, how do you promote from within when you guys haven't won a playoff game yeah. since I was fucking born? Yeah. Since Boomer Esiason was the quarterback. I don't get it, man. It's it's like the it's the same shit that we have to go through as, as Knicks fans. The all the decision makers in the Knicks organization they always stay. Like they'll bring in like a head coach that's not a part of the organization, but the actual basketball decision makers are always the same guys around Dolan, and that's why the Knicks never seem to get good. They just need to blow up from within, but they they don't want to do it because they want to protect their jobs, and it's just it's just super annoying. We didn't have another game on the one p.m. slate, so we have to fast forward to. The 4 o'clock slate, where we had the marquee matchup of the week. We did a lot of arguing. I, I did not have Mo on my side to make it 2-on-2. Two two. It was an unfair fight. And we end up pushing the game, uh, which is it's a joke. We, we really should have lost the game because we had the Pats minus 3 on the card. And the Pats were covering for like 7 minutes in this game. And the rest, the Steelers, were covering. This, was, this should have been a slam dunk. Uh, I don't even care about the end of the game with that whole debacle with the fake spike. The, the entire drive before that where Tomlin refuses, refuses to allocate more help to stop Rob Gronkowski, where he just gets single coverage and walks down the field. He has 69 yards by himself on the final drive, the touchdown and the two-point conversion. <laughs> like, What are you doing? What what is even I mean, how Steelers was that final drive? They played the Steelers finally did what everyone said going into the game that was analyzing the game or looking at the game said they needed to do if they had a chance, and that was play more man and get after Brady instead of sitting in that stupid zone. They did all of that. They did great for what 58 and a half minutes. And then Tom Brady gets the ball back. You know, the greatest quarterback in terms of fourth quarter comeback, game-winning drives of all time. He's the greatest fucking weapon in all of sports, in Rob Gronkowski. He doesn't have Chris Hogan. Fucking Amendola's out for the year. Cooks can't get open. Brady can't hit Cooks when he is open. Uh, Amendola is a no-show. Like, Dorsett is a fucking joke. I don't know why that guy's on the team. So he has no one to throw to but Rob Gronkowski, yet you just let him run one-on-one coverage. Rob Gronkowski beats double coverage all the time. Yet you just leave him after the there was like three catches in a row of just 20 plus yards. Like after the first one, be like, dude, put everyone on him. What are you doing? Like, how dumb are you? I honestly don't get it. The uh... And then the two point conversion, like 
they they saw it. Romo saw it when he was calling the game. They said, oh, Rob Gronkowski out there on yeah. some guy Smith, yeah. who I've never heard of as a cornerback, looks like he's like, it's like me playing against my little brother. <laughs> and after Rob Gronkowski caught the ball, I actually thought that Rob might get a uh, taunting penalty because he literally pointed in the guy's face and started <laughs> laughing at him. Because it's like, what the fuck are you going to do, little boy? Get out of here. Uh, apologies. It was Deion Lewis who scored the touchdown and then Gronk the two-point conversion. But again, Gronk 69 yards on the drive. What? I feel like the Jets did this when their defense had a pulse. Why not, even when he splits wide, why not line up a linebacker on Gronk with a safety or a cornerback on top where the linebacker's job is simply to just get in his ass in the first three yards? And then even if they can't drop into coverage, I don't know, you just just play a, a zone in the flat in case there's a drag route or some kind of dump-off pass to the back. But literally, your only job is to maul Rob Gronkowski as best as you can for those first legal five yards and then hand it off to a cornerback and a safety. Why isn't anybody... I feel like the Jets tried that every time Gronk was inside. And obviously, to counteract that, you put Gronk on the outside. But why not? Why not just throw a linebacker out there and just get him in his ass for the first five yards? Because teams are really effing dumb, and Tomlin is chief among them. I mean, teams (laughs) that have had success covering Rob Gronkowski are the Denver Broncos. TJ Ward used to always get up in his grill. Uh, The Kansas City Chiefs, when Eric Berry used to always get up in his grill. And uh, I'm blanking now who was the other team. The the Ravens used to always get up in his grill. You know, like you got to – yes, we understand that Gronkowski is huge. The guy's like six foot 12. Um, Shout out to the old PN podcast days. Um, But, uh, you know, he's just – he's a monster and he'll get off the line. But you got to – you got to jam him somehow. Just throw him off that rhythm a little bit, especially when you have a quarterback like Tom Brady who he wants to get the ball out in 1.5 seconds, super quick throw. So if you can just mess up that rhythm by – even a quarter of a second, that's huge for, you know, in terms of disrupting that offense. And they just didn't do it. They play off him. They play smaller guys against him. It's just, it's, it's a joke, man. It really is a joke just to watch these people try and try and cover the Patriots. I mean, a couple of weeks ago, Rich, I talked about it. You know, the Patriots, you'll say the Patriots aren't really great. They're just average. I'll say they're really good. We'll argue about that all day. But at the end of the day, I don't think that we can agree in terms of the consistency of the Patriots. And you just wait. They just wait and wait and wait, and the other team will crap itself. And the other team runs a fake spike and hands on the ball. <laughs> the other team will run a fake spike where literally one of their five pass catchers on the field actually runs the route because no one has a fucking clue what's going on. And it's the guy who, great point from a guy who never makes good points and is a total scumbag. Rodney Harrison makes the point that if it was anybody that should stand still, and not move, thinking that it was a spike. It's Eli Rogers because he's a young guy. He's always fighting for playing time, and and making an, a mistake in that situation could be like career threatening. So if Eli Rogers knows that it's a fake spike play, how do the other receivers not know? How do they just stand there and not run routes? What is but going I don't on? Think in anyone Pittsburgh? knew that it was a fake spike play. Like even. Ben Roethlisberger was kind of like after the game in his comments. I don't have them in front of me, but he was kind of like, "Yeah, I don't really know." Like, you know, it's like, what are these guys practicing? Like, what? I are mean, they- if you if you watch that play, it's it's amazing. You can rewatch it a thousand times. You're gonna see something new every single time. The best though is that literally everyone is they have they have four receivers. Sorry, three receivers, a tight end, and Le'Veon Bell, who can catch the ball as good as anyone, uh, is out there. And one of them runs a route. 
and there are there's there's four or five Patriots that run right to that guy who's running the route because they can't throw the ball anywhere else. And Ben, and ben still decides to fucking still, throw the ball there. Still tries to fit it in. And it's not like it was an out route where Ben can just leave it high and go out of the end zone. Oh no, Ben throws it in the middle of the field. And when then, you have you have the tied tying field goal locked up you're at home so you like that's a spot where i'm like okay they should kind of be doing something safe here and just getting that field goal Steelers have been playing really well all game right so and they're at home in that environment i mean i feel like they have the upper hand there whereas like if you're if you're in new england it's different you want to go for the win because you're never going to win it in overtime i totally get that but in this case he literally throws the game away and that's that's supposed to be one of the better coaches one of the better teams, one of the better quarterbacks. And it's just, again, just totally shit the bed every single time. Ben's the worst. He really, and then, and then of course he gets to the podium and, and throws Todd Haley under the bus. I mean, come on guy. Let's go to the other game that we pushed on Sunday, which was speaking of head scratchers, Cowboys 20 Raiders 17. We had Oakland plus the three. I don't know if we deserve to be in position to cover, given that 50-yard defensive pass interference penalty, and given how poorly Derek Carr played four and a half yards per attempt against this terrible Dallas defense. But we were in position to cover, and Derek Carr reaches for the pylon, fumbles the ball through the end zone. The game ends on that touchback. Let, let's start with that with that rule. There's been a lot of beaking this season about the touchback, the fumble touchback rule. It's happened a lot. It happened in the Jets-Patriots game. You know, it's hap- happened with Todd Gurley once. It's happened a few mo- few times this year. Do you think it's a bad rule? It's been a rule forever. The The two rules that people talked about, we didn't even talk about in the the Pat Steelers game, was the, touch, the Jesse James touchdown that was ruled not a catch because of the rule, the process of the catch. And, I'll, I mean, I'll put this, this plainly. The rule is bad. The interpretation of the rule on that play was correct. Like, I, this isn't the, the Zapruder film. Like, the man was going to the ground. I know he crossed the plane, but he lost possession of the ball when he was going to the ground. Thus, it's no catch. I, too, hate the rule. And it's a newer rule. It, it's the Calvin Johnson rule from, I want to say, five years ago. So I can get why people hate the catch rule. But the touchback, the fumble touchback has been a rule for ever like I I don't remember a time in football where this wasn't the case where if the offensive player fumbled the ball into the end zone and it was either recovered by the defense or knocked out it was a touchback so this has been a rule forever and and people are just beaking now like I I don't hate the rule I I think it's pretty harsh but at the same time like understand the rule (laughs) and don't reach for the pylon when the consequences are a fumble is a loss of possession. Where do you, where do you land on the rule, DP? Do you think it should be changed, or do you think people are overreacting a little bit? I can. So I can. I have arguments for both sides, and I've been trying to think about this more. And I kind of think about it every time it comes up this season, which is almost every other week. And part of me says, you know, I don't hate the rule, right? I feel like the rule for sure benefits the defense, but in a game where there is so many rules that benefit the offense. I feel like you can give the defense this one, right? So, but then also I say, 
it's fucking harsh, man. I mean, you like you run down the field, you you dive out, you dive for the end zone, the ball gets knocked out. It 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 goes to the other team and they get it on the 20. It's it's it seems kind of crazy, right? It's just like that that twist is just like, wait, what? We don't just like lose the ball and get it on the five. It definitely you penalizes know? effort, which is kind of against the spirit of sports. I, I get that argument. But why haven't people made that argument before 2017? That's because my point. people are dumb. Yes, exactly. And it like, well, also, I mean, it it had happened every now and then, but it, it's definitely happening a lot more. Right. So people are just seeing it more and they're like, what the fuck is this? You know, like, why is this happening? What? This is crazy. So. But yeah, I don't I don't know. I mean, I feel like part of me wants the rule to apply for certain people like Derek Carr. That was fucking stupid. You should they should get the ball in the 50 after you fumble it out of the end zone because you're an idiot for trying to die from like the seven yard line. You're you're a quarterback. What are you doing? You're holding the ball with your off hand. Like, stop. Like, that is the dumbest thing ever. But then you have, you know, you have other stuff like, I don't know, Todd Gurley, for example. I mean, he, it happened to him twice now, I believe. Not, once this year, once either last year or the year before um, where, you know, he was diving for the end zone and the defender knocked it out. So in that case, it's like, it was a really good play by the defender. You know, I can kind of see the ball just going on like the one yard line for, for the Rams, but uh, yeah, it's the rule seems nuts to me in a lot of sense, but I, I don't, I don't really know what to do to fix it. I mean, give him the ball on the, on the two. That seems like it's a free roll then. Like, why wouldn't you just like, find- I mean, but, but part of it is also like, you know, not that, not that I ever think a rule should really attack this sort of thing, but a, it's ball security, right? And not that a rule should penalize people for having shitty ball security, but that's kind of what this rule does. And ball security is a huge thing in the NFL from a player standpoint and a team standpoint. The, I, feel- I mean, the Patriots have a rule where you literally can't do that or you're going to get benched. My biggest thing is why are to your initial point, why are we giving the offense, which has so many rules in its favor, why would we give them just more opportunities? I, I feel like... Because the game needs to increase viewership and fantasy and sports betting and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, but the same reason why you can't hit the quarterback, why you know there's barely ever offensive PI, although that has increased this year as well, like all that sort of stuff. I mean, it's just so hard to play defense generally because... They want a more offensive game to benefit the, the viewing experience. Yeah, I get that. But where's that going to leave us at the end, right? It, it has to level out or plateau at some point. I just don't want people, offensive players, to just be free-rolling going to the end zone. I, I don't want this to turn into flag football, right? Where flag football, you can't force a fumble. So people, they just they yeah, run you're, with you're the... Di- you're diving for the end zone slash half-throwing it there because you're yeah. like, what if they see that I kind of got there? Who cares, you L- know? Like, if you ever watch flag football, people run with the ball out because it's it's just an extra yard in, instead of tucking it because you can't fumble in flag football. So everyone's just running around with the ball sticking out. And I, I don't want that. I don't want football to turn into that because that's just... It's dumb. Like, protect the ball. Understand the rules. I, I, I think maybe if you're going to change the rule at all, I would change where the defense then turning to the offense gets the ball. What do you mean by that? Oh, so they don't Put get them on like the five or the 10. Oh, yeah. I mean, the 20 is that's a ton. I mean, it's a touchback. You know? <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. I, I the the idea that's floating around of giving the offense the ball on the 20 is somewhat interesting to me. 
where if they fumble out of the end zone, you give them to the 20, and you, you just make it a loss of down so that the play ran, but instead of getting the ball where they're at, they get the ball at the 20. But I, I asked somebody, if somebody intercepts the ball and while running towards the end zone they fumble it out, do they get it first and goal from the 20? What is this, NFL blitz? <laughs> it seems insane. But I guess it would make sense. I don't know. I mean, players just need to not be idiots around the goal line with the ball. Yeah, just know the rules. I don't know how, how hard that is. So, uh, any anything else? You didn't get to see this live. But you 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 get to you sped through this. You watched like the yeah. Well, what, what was that that fake punt? <laughs> Where the hell did that come from? That was a great play. But that was like they were like on the ten yard line, Dallas. Yeah. Sometimes you have to have stones. At first, I was I was because I, I mean I obviously knew the end result of the game, and and while I'm watching the extended highlights, you know I saw the the Raiders drop uh, absolutely gimme pick that might have been a pick six if the guy got up and ran but then I saw that later on uh, Carr threw an absolute gimme pick as well that was dropped so that was a wash in my book but uh, I how, just how bad is Dak Oakland thirty second in defense DVOA thirty second against the pass get the ball to Des Bryant how does Des Bryant leave this game with four targets two catches for fifty nine yards like why are we not feeding eighty eight every single play how bad is Dak Prescott? I think I think Dak is just he doesn't have that I don't know, let's call he it sucks. an experience quotient. He, he, no, he just sucks. Period. No, well, end. Well, he's bad well, at quarterback. Somebody like Dez, right? Where he's Dez has obviously lost a step over his year. But Dez is also that type of guy where I view him like DeAndre Hopkins, where I don't care if the guy is literally wearing the same jersey as Des Bryant, throw him the fucking ball and he's likely to catch it. Worst case scenario, it's probably going to be an incomplete pass because Dez will fight to the death to not let that guy intercept the ball. But if you're a quarterback, do you really want to make those risky plays? And I think you would see that with someone like Tony Romo, right, who had a lot of experience, who had a ton of trust in his guy, who would throw it into really, really tight windows with Dez Bryant. Whereas with Dak, I mean, Dak's biggest trait or, or biggest attribute that a lot of people talk to is the fact that he doesn't turn the ball over well part of that is probably because he doesn't ever attempt really risky throws at all like you know but that comes with you know is Dak ever really going to be able to win you a game if he's not you know willing to put his neck on the line and yeah. he's, he's not and I think in order to get Des the ball you have to throw into really tight windows and let Des be that talented receiver that he is but Dak doesn't do that because Dak is like, you know, I'm just going to have three interceptions this year and that's what I'm going to do. But, you know, I would I would give up Dak having three or four more interceptions on the year if it meant that, you know, Des Bryant could have another 400 yards and three touchdowns. Of course. It, it's like the old Alex Smith fallacy. Alex Smith, when he was refusing to throw the ball down the field, obviously had the greatest touchdown to interception ratio, like you said. But now that he's more aggressive, of course he's going to sprinkle in some more interceptions. But your upside is so much higher with all the rules in your favor. When you can get the ball downfield, they're either going to catch it or they can get DPI'd or they can get held. You just I, I was looking, I was just sitting on my couch watching football on Sunday and I was just thinking about the yards per attempt metric. And we always talk about a quarterback who's like sub seven even like sub six yards per attempt having a bad day. And then I thought about it. I was like, wait a minute. If you have six yards per attempt, that means you would just get a first down by throwing the ball two plays. What are these teams doing? Why do they ever run the ball? You yeah. Know? 
that's why Bill Belichick stopped running the ball. <laughs> I, I, like I mean, I, the only reason Bill Belichick really runs the ball is because defensive coordinators are still really stupid, and he does have a semblance of balance and slash protect the quarterback a little bit because you can't just put let people tee off on Tom Brady all day. But yeah, and you got to protect the line too. Like I understand why you run the ball, but just don't don't do it as frequently. You know, <laughs> like. Let's throw the ball more often. I don't. I don't see how it's so difficult to wrap your head around. And if you if you want to couple that with the fact that you have three downs generally to get a first down because no one really does anything on fourth down, and all you have to do is go two out of three, which is sixty six percent, and that's right around you know a good quarterback's completion percentage. So it seems like it would add up perfectly, right? You know that you should be able to complete two passes for six yards. Oh, this isn't even yards per completion. This is yards per attempt. Just attempting a, a pass by an, an above-average quarterback, you should get an estimated seven yards every time you attempt to throw the ball, not even complete a pass. So what are we doing here? You know, math, guys. Somebody. Doug Peterson, that's that's the one reason why, even with the Wentz injury, I, I kind of love the Eagles in the playoffs. And I was I was wondering, I didn't get a chance to look, but I was wondering how much their futures took a ding with the Wentz injury because they're sharp. Like these guys play math ball in Philadelphia. Yeah, their defense is pretty bad. And I think it it finally got fully exposed by Eli on Sunday. But they're gonna play math ball. And they're going to put the ball down your throat. And they're going to get a ton of offense. It's just, can they do that against a team like Minnesota? Home field is going to be so important in the NFC. I, I feel like whoever whoever has home field in the NFC title game is just going to go to the Super Bowl. So keep tabs on that. That's just the way I see it. I feel like all these teams are really good. and And something like home field is just going to be the difference. But... I'm still very much interested in the Eagles because they just get it. They they have that Belichick kind of vibe. They understand football. Same thing with the Rams. Like they they get it, and that in a league where most people don't get it, just understanding the game has such a massive advantage, which is crazy given that this is a multi-billion-dollar industry. Like how do these people not get it, DP? Like how is it possible? It's just institutional stupidity yeah that, that couldn't have couldn't have put it better myself so we didn't have a single win on sunday but we only had two losses we were oh two and two going into monday night football where the tampa bay buccaneers were plus six and a half at home big night in tampa at raymond james stadium putting john gruden in the ring of honor on monday night he stepped down from the booth for the ceremony and this was a slugfest. Two NFC South teams playing a very tight, contested game. Tampa had a chance to to maybe pull this one out. They they certainly could have sent it to overtime, but in classic 2017 Bucks fashion, they miss a field goal. Granted, it was a 50-plus yarder, tough one for Patrick Murray, but wide right. But it was okay for us. We got the cover. 24-21 was the final. The Bucks. Just looking forward, uh, I, I don't know if there's much to say about this game. Fun contest. Devontae Freeman's awesome. I, I can't believe I ever thought Tevin Coleman was better than Devontae Freeman. Like This guy is so powerful and so fast at the same time. 
uh, I, I think he's one of the guys that's just going to get lost in the shuffle because we have we have, do have so many great backs right now with Gurley and Bell, uh, David Johnson when he gets back, Zeke, that I think a guy like Freeman is just going to kind of in history fall by the wayside. But this is a really special guy, really fun player to watch that uh, given the shelf life, shelf life of running back, I don't know how many more years we're going to have of, of this kind of productivity, but just an awesome guy to watch. Uh, but we don't, DP, we don't buy much stock in this Falcons team. Like, they're one of the fakest 9-5s and fives ever. They, they have no chance against the Rams, Vikings, and Eagles of the world, right? No chance. I mean, the only chance that they have, the small semblance of a chance, and I still even wouldn't give this a chance, is if they were to somehow get home field advantage. And, you know, like, get the two seed and the number one seed loses and they can be at home in Atlanta for the playoffs. I... If they have to go on the road, they have abs. They have negative chance of winning. They might don't, don't even make the trip. Like, just don't even bother making. If you have, if they have to go on the road to a place that's outside, just go golfing instead. It's just not worth it. That's a lot. I mean, of, that's a lot of TV money that the league's going to lose if they if they don't get on that plane. It, it doesn't. You know, maybe they can. Maybe they could fly in like Rancho Cucamonga High School and just give them a shot. To, Rancho. To get, Get on, get on the field against an NFL team. Run around a little bit, you know. Maybe they can score one of those those feel good touchdowns, you know, that sort of thing. And and then the NFL team can just absolutely decimate them because it's the Atlanta Falcons are going to get absolutely pantsed come playoff time. I can't wait. I to cannot wait team. for that to happen. Really I'm going can't. to hammer whoever is on the other side. I can't wait. I can't wait to fade this team in the playoffs. I mean, they are just. That game last night, I started watching it, you know, and I was like, oh, Falcons look like they're going to kind of run away with this. But part of me was watching the Bucks just be the disaster that they are this season. And then as the game went on, I was like, this Falcons team is just ridiculous. They're just the worst. Like, what are they doing? Jameis balled out. Jameis has been having very much an up and down year, many more downs than ups. But he put his big boy pants on. Eight and a half yards per attempt, 300 yards, two and 299 to be specific. Three t- three touchdowns. Uh, the the Atlanta defense, Mo's been saying it all year, and I agree with him, that they have a lot of talent across the board, but they've just, outside of, you're right, outside of the, the Mercedes-Benz Dome in lovely Atlanta, they really, they just never put together a good defensive performance. And they, they, they're just... They really are just going to get worked in the playoffs if <laughs> their first road game, and I, uh, I can't wait. Uh, the Bucks, the Bucks are going to have like a top five pick. DP, how much are we going to put on the Bucks to win the division next? Can year? they draft a coach? <laughs> like, is that possible? Like Nick Saban throwing his hat into the draft? I mean, everybody gets healthy, fingers crossed, and they get a top five pick. Like, the, the Bucks could. Be the, next year could be the year, and it's the post hype year, right? Everybody hyped them up this year. They were on hard knocks. We get a little bit of value in the number next year to win the NFC. Maybe even get a little taste of some Super Bowl odds. Like Bucks post hype sleeper twenty eighteen. Like let's let's start the train now, DP. This seems like the team to get on next year. I just I just want to quickly say that if the playoffs were to start right now today, the Falcons would be going to Los Angeles to play the Rams. <laughs> That is that is Spider Man meme with like, oh no no Toby, Toby oh, no. McGuire versus like okay, some, some fat guy who went to Walmart and bought a 
kid size six Spider-Man costume and his belly is hanging out. He's got candy dripping down his chest. So it's the faux. It's the faux Spider-Man meme. It's it's the yes. Falcons trying to be Spider-Man meme. Yes, but they really, will get if they have to go to L.A. and play the Rams. They're Todd Gurley put up four touchdowns last week. He might have six. Todd. Okay, Wade Phillips is going to make Steve Sarkeesian oh hit the God. bottle halfway through the first quarter. Wade versus that offense. Aaron Donald is going to make Matt Ryan cry. <laughs> like it, it's going to be so great. I mean, what would what would Vegas make that line? Would minus four and a half, five? I don't know. There's a lot of Rams. I was going to, yeah. I mean, they never make the line as high as it should be in the playoffs. They just don't because the playoffs. I, I was going to say minus six and a half, and I would have no problem betting the Rams. Yeah, it should be like. <laughs> I mean, come on, what are the Rams? The Rams are putting up 40 points up in Seattle. Yeah, why wouldn't the Rams be minus nine against this Falcons team? I don't know. Falcons on the road, across the country, outside, no shot. So one, one, two, and two for the collective this week. Let's look at the Super Contest standings. Granny's boy remains the leader, two, one, and two this week. Granny's boy had Tennessee and Dallas. Dallas laying the three on the road. Remains the top of Super Contest has blue everywhere. <laughs> yeah, there are so many pushes. Uh, so much Dallas. What are these people? How can you click on Dallas? 52.5 points for Granny's boy. They are 1.5 points clear of Schematic Advantage, who before we hit the record button, DP, you were railing against Schematic Advantage. Uh, or no, it was Biosoft. No, I was railing against Biosoft, who I... I'm assuming these are two the same teams from the same, I don't know, outfit, company, conglomerate, whatever you want to call them, because they have Biosoft Global is third, and then they have Biosoft Sports is uh, sixth. So, and they've been in the top 10, if not top 15, both of them, the entire year. Yeah, since week seven, Biosoft Global. I need, a, I need a check for PEDs. That's been in the top 10. They started off the season 9-1. and one. Then they hit a bit of a rough patch, 2-3, and 2-3. and three. And then they they've just rattled off winning weeks, winning weeks after that. Uh, rounding off the top five, we've got how do I play? <laughs> Great name. Uh, they have fifty points, and then the Ville. Uh, the Ville went one, one, and three this week, but remains in fifth with forty nine and a half points. Our good friend Bill Simmons remains. A lurker. He's 67th. He went 2-1-2 and two this week. More pushes. Everybody had pushes this week. He had the Niners minus two and Dallas. God, why did people click on Dallas? That's so infuriating. Uh, he is 44-28-3, so 61.1%. He's got 45.5 points, so he's, he's uh, seven points out, which with two weeks ago, doesn't seem possible, but there's certainly a, a potential for like a top 10 run if Billy Simmons can get some W's together. So that's a quick look at the contest. Uh, only 12 teams, 5-0 and last week. And it's funny, if you look at the, <laughs> if you look at the records, uh, there were so many ties this week. The, the, the combinations of records that you can have... <laughs> Let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. There's like 16 different combinations of records that you could have this week because of those two pushes. 79 people did not enter a card. Did they know that they could win a free 
what is it, fifteen thousand dollars? Yeah, fifteen thousand dollars. Just lit on fire. It's, it's pretty crazy. All right, let's take a quick break and we'll go to Bert Minotti, the god, so he can give us some fantasy takes from the week that was. Take it over, Mr. Colson. And we are back, thanks to Brett. Before we get out of here, let's take a quick peek ahead at the week 16 line, see if there's any openers that pique our interest, and if there's any games that we feel like we will be circling come Friday once we put together our Super Contest card. DP, after gleaning over the opening lines, I know you're looking at the Westgate over there. Any games that stick out to you? Any games that you feel like you will be clicking on this week? Yeah, I cannot believe I'm actually going to do this, and it's the Bengals. Don't say Browns. Okay, thank God. It's the Bengals, man. They're plus four at home against the Lions. I mean, the the Lions are the better team, but plus four, really? Up to plus, up up to five on Pinnacle too. What? Like what? I don't understand. <laughs> I feel like these teams are the same. Isn't this the Isn't this the one for the Gipper game too? This is the last home game of the season for Cincy. Isn't this win one for Marv? Isn't that what happens here? I don't know if Cincinnati cares about that sort of crap, <laughs> but I mean, how do you, I don't understand how they just don't like contend in this game for, so the Lions were going to be minus 10 at home against the Bengals. Like I, that line doesn't make no sense to me. I feel like the Lions at home would be minus five and a half, minus six. Okay, I get it. So then it's a pick if it's on the road in Cincinnati, but it's minus four Detroit. Yeah. That seems ridiculous to me. I mean, I guess extra rests. I mean, this is, again, not to confuse you a little bit, but this is rule of mo, right? This is <laughs> pick, the, pick the team that looked the worst last week, and no team in any sport looked worse than the Cincinnati Bengals last week. Any other games that you want to uh, point to here? Um, so, I mean, this pains you. I can tell. I can tell. No, no, no. I, I'm I'm debating whether or not how much you're going to shred me when I say that I love Jimmy Garoppolo this week, uh, although he's playing against Jacksonville. But I mean, the kid looks good. Yeah, no doubt. And Jacksonville's an East Coast team. They got to go all the way to the West Coast. I mean. Yeah, the health of Fournette is important for me in this one because if Fournette's a go, like why can't the Jags just run straight and <laughs> and run for two hundred? This Niners defense is bad. Yeah, very true, very true. I mean, I yeah, I total I totally see it. Um, I'd have to look at this game a little bit closer, but yeah. And then I think not that I'm really picking a side right now, but I think that this Pittsburgh Houston game could be interesting. Uh, just. I don't know. How does Pittsburgh react from what happened to them last week? Just, I mean, I, that loss, the way it ended, they lose Antonio Brown. Who's clicking on Pittsburgh minus 10 on the road? I'm going to pull up the spread right here. Yeah, I mean, they're minus 9.5 at Westgate, but that's that's a ton of points, man. Yeah. The, isn't this isn't this, this this is the rule? This is a rule of Mo. What's, uh, yeah, this is Steelers the rule. Steelers a huge road favorite. Rule of, well, it's two rules of Mo. Steelers is huge road favorite, but also. Rule of NBA. Rule rule of star player getting injured. 
This is competing yeah, rules that of works mo. against us. I know. I don't know. Yeah, but I, whatever. I don't care about that rule. <laughs> um, but this is this feels like a game where the Steelers are just they do what they always do. They play down to their competition. Definitely. Right? What about and the, how does how does DeAndre Hopkins not have 175 yards? What about the Jets? Why are the Jets plus six and a half at home? Yeah, see. They played amazing last no, week. I know, but this see, I looked at that game and I said that seems high, but then I said to myself, Do I really want to bet on the team that looked really good last week against the team that looked really bad? I'll give Which you that. I, I, I hate doing that. I'll give you that. But if that because rule there's just so much parody in the NFL. If that rule applied, like why is this line so high? It's 54% of the public on the Chargers right now. Warm weather, West Coast team going east to play in a cold New Jersey gloomy day. Like, why and isn't it's, And it's the early game. Why isn't this Rich. game like 20 to 17 Chargers with just a slam dunk cover by the Jets? Yeah, knowing that the Chargers, I mean, are the Chargers still, they can still make the playoffs, right? Even though they lost? Yeah, of course. So, I mean, I was going to say it's just kind of, it's a huge blow to them to lose last week, right? Of course. And they can just be a bit dejected. But the Jets should have been, the Jets should have been destroyed last so, week. So, uh, we obviously know that Hunter Henry is going to be out. I mean, the guy sliced his kidney in half. <laughs> just um, but what about Keenan Allen? I don't know. I, I would so so I mean at least we would need to monitor that going through the week, see what what his deal is. I don't even know why he went out. I'm, I'd actually be a concussion, but Keenan, I'm not worried about receivers against the Jets. I'm more so worried about tight ends and what they can do against the middle of the Jet defense. So I think that injury is massive. And again, I I point to last week. So if you don't, if you take away that Ingram touchdown, I mean the Saints still don't cover. But the that game ends what. 24 to 19 like the, the Jets sh- should have laid down last week and got abused by a potential Super Bowl contender and they didn't they, they played so tough they're so well yeah. coached and and I mean what is this Giants Arizona line? <laughs> I mean well, who the hell is the quarterback for Arizona it's Stanton right if, if Gabbard's benched the only guy they can give the ball to is Stanton I mean, Stan's horrible. For sure. I mean, Blaine Gabbard, I mean, I don't understand. I don't understand benching a quarterback when, like, I mean, yeah, he's bad, but he was never supposed to be good in the first place, and you're just totally out of it, so who gives a shit? And it was a road game. Like, it seems like a Like, what are you trying to do? Like, like Sparks to, like, win the last two games and give yourself a worse draft position? Like, what? that makes no sense to me. And it's not like Stanton, like, are you looking to see if Stanton's any good, like we know, we know what Drew Stanton is. No, you should be getting a worse draft pick and just drafting a quarterback so that when Carson Palmer plays another twelve games next year and then gets injured, like he always does, then you have your guy. Well, then maybe it's sharp to play Stanton, <laughs> play the worst quarterback. Maybe it is sharp to get play the Stanton, L. They think so. Yeah, definitely a weird, a weird one there. But I mean, that's four points. The Giants, like Eli, feels like he just wants to try and burn the world down. I mean, granted, they probably <laughs> won't win, but. That's what Eli feels like. He Eli's like, I'm leaving. And in the process, I'm going to burn everything. I'm going to try and give you guys the worst draft pick possible. Let, let's get out of here on this one. And uh, it comes full circle. But uh, why are the Bears minus seven against the Browns? <laughs> yeah, I know. this. I looked at it and I said, this is another spot. But I... I will not do it. I will not click on the Browns. I'm <laughs> really? not going to do it. Unless, I mean, 
Maybe this line moves up to what wait, what you said it's minus seven? Minus seven. Uh okay. the, the the plus seven is minus one twenty three though. So it's probably I wouldn't be surprised if you're seeing six and a half over there. Yeah, Westgate has six and a half. Yeah. So but I mean God. But the the Bears all they looked really bad. They're going home. I just I have no idea how LeBron's are gonna move the ball against the Bears defense at home. Who's been all right for us this year? You know, got some big wins for us, big covers for us, um, big covers for a lot of people. But uh, I mean, we need Kessler, we need Chainsaw, we need we need anything but put fucking Hugh Jackson as quarterback. It, <laughs> Kaiser is so bad; he's going to get decimated by this team. I'm not sure how you can like if you're on that team. If you, like if you're Josh Gordon, if you're Corey, I mean Josh Gordon, you're like I came back for this shit. This guy's so bad. Yeah. He just looks, Kaiser just looks like a twerp as well. Like he's just on the sideline, he takes his helmet off. Like he just looks like a millennial twerp. Like, dude, play quarterback, man. You're uh, killing me. I can't get mine in this take. Uh, so of that, course you can, because you're a millennial <laughs> twerp yourself. You fit right in. <laughs> that's, uh, so that's our, our look ahead. Uh, you want to follow Donnie on Twitter? He's at Donnie underscore Peters. Keep sending your picks against the super contest lines as well. We are still counting them up. We're still tallying, and we'll be giving some prizes away in the playoffs. Uh, we'll be back on Thursday for the DFS podcast, and then, of course, on Friday to give our Super Contest selections. Check out GridironGamble.com, at GridironGamble on Twitter. Until then, peace. Ow.